0: The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute Someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guess to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, Minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club minutes, enjoy the show. I am Jack's 55th minute. I start with Jack changing the fuse, and I end with little haiku poems. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat, and off as a, he goes on a Zen master trip this week is my co-host, Lance Stanford, but instead... Joining me today are my guests, Andy Nelson, and also Pete Wright. See, I can write haikus as well. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding.
1: We're the worker bees over here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to have you on. And, you know, but before we jump straight into today's minute, I, I would like to know what, what your guys' histories are with Fight Club. Um, Andy, how about you?
1: I... Uh... Became an instant David Fincher fan after Seven, and was pretty much ready for anything he was going to do next. I, I don't think I even recognized his name when I saw Alien Three; like it wasn't something that clicked. Like, oh, that's a David Fincher film. But when I saw Seven, that was kind of like a game changer, and he really, um, you know, I, I think defined himself as as an auteur director with that film. And so I was very excited for his next film. Uh, you know, I was already a fan of. Um, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton and kind of the different projects that they were taking at this particular time in their careers. And the trailer was um, was just an incredibly fun trailer that, um, I, I I don't know, it just, it had a, a great energy that I could tell was going to really be uh, an interesting, energetic film. And so all of those pieces uh, kind of came together perfectly for me, um, you know, in uh, Ninety nine, and I was just so excited and ready for this when it came out. Saw it opening day, saw it multiple times in the theater when it came out. Uh, you know, I had the soundtrack by the Dust Brothers, listened to that all the time. And, you know, the when the DVD came out, I got it and just plowed through all the bonus features. Like, I was just kind of obsessed with this. Weirdly not obsessed enough to actually ever read the book, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I loved this movie so much. So says to a point. Well, it's but it's, it's Fincher. It's really my obsession with Fincher more so than than Polaniak. and and so I just I really was amazed with just the way that he put this film together and just the creativity he used throughout, which uh, you know we had seen in Seven and certainly here as well. So I mean, and still, you know, I haven't watched it nearly as much as I did in those first few years after mm-hmm. it uh, first came out, but. You know, every now and again, you know, I mean, Pete and I, one of our first series that we did on our podcast, The Next Reel, was uh, a David Fincher series. We did the Benjamin Button style uh, <laughs> David Fincher series in reverse chronology. So we started at the time with Dragon Tattoo had just come out. So we started with that and then worked all the way backward. But I was very excited to uh, talk about Fight Club on that show. So it's just it's one of those movies that I just feel I I can so easily um, settle into as Crazy as a film as it is, yeah. I, you know, I think I, I was, I was exactly there. All the stuff Andy
2: said. I would just add that you know I live in Portland, Oregon, and old Chuck is a is a Pacific Northwest guy. Like he's an Oregon boy, and he, I mean, he was born in Washington, but he went to U of O. And I, there is a certain special place that uh, we locals hold in our hearts for his weird sort of interpretations of Pacific Northwest vibes in in his work. And so, um, you know, I think I, I think there's also that piece of it for me that I have a, a real affinity for um, for the writing. And, um, and and so, yeah, I mean, I, the the movie I think <laughs> touched a. Touched a real dark place for me when I first saw it, and I've just been really attached to it. Like, what is it that it that when I watch this movie, does it make me examine about myself? Some movies I just watch for entertainment, and some movies I watch and it's therapy, and a little bit of this movie, it's therapy.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's your own little support group.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I've never watched it and gone out and punched anybody, <laughs> but it's you know it it at least lets me explore that in my head. Nice.
0: Yeah, my uh, I, I talked about it already, but my experience almost exactly mirrors Andy's uh, as well. Minus, the only thing is, uh, you know, I'm not a multiple theater trip guy, and I never saw Alien 3, but everything else is <laughs> <laughs> pretty much the same. <laughs> uh, Alien 3. You have yeah. to
2: see Alien 3 to earn Fight Club, <laughs> man. <laughs> but I didn't
0: enjoy his music videos. Yes.
1: yes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: For sure. Even though at the time I had no idea that, you know, that, that people directed music videos pretty much. But, um,
1: yeah. Well, there was definitely that era, you know, MTV had certainly started putting, um, you know, the, the credit, like the dire- at least the director, like the, the artist name, the song, album, and director on their music videos. But it's funny, like I had not been paying attention to those uh, mm-hmm. like even through all of the ones that likely said David Fincher on them I just wasn't even paying attention and kind of clicking with who was directing which music videos. It wasn't until afterward that I started paying attention to film directors that I started going, oh that makes sense that David Fincher did that that Spike Jones did that like certain certain directors once I started seeing their films, that's when I started kind of clicking with oh now those music videos make so much more sense to me
0: mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into today to today's minute, which uh, we start in a, a very fun <laughs> section of the film with the the very loud, like comically loud, uh, orgasm sounds and sex sounds going on through this <laughs> through the majority of this minute. Like, do you remember? Was this? Like, I I'm pretty sure that watching this, I I definitely laughed the first time because that. Like this is definitely played for comedy and not for sensuality.
2: Right. Yes, that's for sure. I, I think the other piece that's interesting about it to me, other than the fact that I I think uh, I I saw for a, a little while after this movie came out, somebody had made her sounds their ringtone for their phone. <laughs> uh, in, in like 2012, I saw that floating around the internet, um, which I think is really funny. Just bed squeaks and screams. Um but uh, one of the interesting things about this movie is, as it sort of explores toxicity, is that it it also when he opens the door right up into the point where he says "shut up," like it's sort of played for fun, not like any sort of abuse. Like she's enjoying herself too. Can mm-hmm. I have a cigarette? Right, kind of, kind of a thing. Like they are both just really enjoying one another, and um, and and I think that's a that's an interesting thing in this movie for me that i haven't thought about quite so much until watching just this minute in isolation that um that it is uh there's 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 a duo a dynamic duo here between the two of them uh,
1: so, yeah it's it's a very interesting uh you know the way that their relationship is portrayed because yeah i mean pete's right it's it's absolutely portrayed for fun like as the audience we were, were meant to laugh i mean we keep cutting from the narrator from one room to another and he's doing different things and the sex is still happening and the screaming is still happening and (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's just, it never uh, wanes. It's just always there. And to the point where it's just comedic because it's just so um, fervent and animalistic and (laughs) it's, it's, um, they're clearly having fun with that idea of just making it crazy, and 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 you know, it's it's interesting because it really rides that line of, uh, kind of what Pete was saying with kind of that whole toxicity. Because it's like, and I would even go before the shut up. It's really the uh, you you want to finish her off. Like that's really kind of that line where it shifts yes. into something where like, oh geez, <laughs> yeah. wow, okay, like different, definitely a different sort of mentality with that and
0: (laughs) at least uh, until you remember that they are the same person right
1: exactly (laughs) exactly right
2: which is the that is the the real like on a first time watch like that's this is one of those great clues right that that you know first first the comic beat as he says you want to finish her off she falls off the bed in exhaustion which is is funny um and you know, triggers that bit of, of, uh, of you know, we're moving to abuse. And then she says, who are you talking to? And for the first time, we're well, not for the first time, but mm-hmm. you, you start to see yet another breadcrumb that, you know, uh, that by the end of the movie, you're going to realize, oh, this is a thing, another sort of knot in the string that ties together the fact that they're the same person. Yeah. It's really subtle and fast from an out-of-focus character in the distance behind an almost closed door. Yeah, and, and another thing
0: is, which we... The, the line got kind of split between minutes. So we talked about this a little bit last week as well, is that the line that that really kicks off this minute is he says that he could move to someplace maybe on the third floor where he might not have heard them, but he didn't. And it's, it's funny that whenever we see him down in the flooded basement in that section, like that couple seconds, we don't hear the sex sounds. And yeah. that's, that's another like little breadcrumb because in theory, like on first time watch, he was just far enough away in the basements that he might not have heard them. But in the realistic sense, it's because he would have physically had to have gone down there and so he wouldn't be able to be having sex at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well absolutely. and that also it, it is one of those interesting things where like once you've seen the movie and you know that whole conceit that it's the same person, it does start when you watch these scenes, it does make you start thinking about okay wait a minute so did both of these stories happen where you know he was having sex with her and then another time he was you know the the edward norton side of it kind of imagining all of that and like the projection like where is that split is he actually living both of these at the same time or is he living one and then the other and they're kind of all meshing together and like what's you never really get that sense about like a sense of time like how much time is really passing with all of this and, and you know is is it all happening at the same time or is like is he blending a lot of different elements together well
0: actually one one uh, fan theory that we came up with last week that I'd like to float by you guys and see what what you think of it is that, the The main reason that that Jack is the one currently existing in this scenario is because Tyler is the one that's having sex with Marla, and he is thinking, wanting to think about something other than sex, so he'll last longer. And so Tyler <laughs> is imagining Jack, who is in the other room changing fuses, yeah, and listening to someone else that he doesn't like have sex. <laughs> so that that helps him. That helps Tyler last longer in bed. <laughs>
2: I like that theory. It's actually
1: pretty funny. I like that theory.
2: <laughs> I buy it. It and makes I- me
1: go to um uh gosh, what is uh, Michael Clayton? I don't know if you remember that movie, but there's a fantastic uh, scene in that where Tom Wilkinson, who's kind of you know having a, a a mental break, but he's talking about this this time when he was having sex with like a prostitute in a hotel room or something, and he uh, was trying to trying to think of awful things so that he he didn't so fast and <laughs> and but then he couldn't stop thinking about all this stuff and so and it just like sent him down this dark spiral but it's that same sort of thing it's like I can see that where he's thinking about you know trying to come up with something else uh, you know and so yeah I'm changing fuses in the basement and and you know anger brushing my teeth <laughs> <laughs>
0: doing sit ups downstairs reading the annotated reader
2: <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and then wow. we get this yeah, this book is a dentist's nightmare too he's really damaging his gums <laughs> i don't care for it of everything that goes on in these 3 minutes it's the toothbrushing that gives me the most dental anxiety <laughs> it's what wow. i love
1: about that shot is there's all that toothpaste like there's so much toothpaste he's doing it like with his mouth open so it actually makes him mm-hmm. look a little rabid also which ferocious, i totally think ferocious, is yeah. um, uh, I'm sure that that was part of the discussion of that oh, it, yeah.
0: it also kind of re- reminds me of earlier the earlier scene whenever he's showing the blood in his mouth to the uh, the, the guy presenting the website
2: <laughs> yes exactly yeah. right right this movie is a is a walking talking
1: oral fixation <laughs> and just and just fluids Ugh, all those body fluids here. yeah
0: yeah and then you know talking just a bit more about this this moment where jack kind of walks past and peeks in on tyler the, this is kind of an interesting scene to, to think about how this actually works within the within the narrator's brain like it's especially with our fan theory that we came up with that he's imagining himself kind of walking past and peeking in on himself
1: what's what's fascinating about that and i think it speaks to likely the headspace of our character is when we see it through jack's eyes through his point of view we are focused on just the door frame itself and like the the space between the door of the two of them having sex is all out of focus it's a very shallow depth of field and so it, it's almost um, yeah, it, it almost is just kind of separating those two personalities still at this point. And um, I, I think that that's a really interesting way to kind of introduce that mental space. And then Jack is, I mean, uh, Tyler's there so quickly um, with no, it's not like he's even made a sound or something, but just Tyler is suddenly there. And, and I think that's the shift. I think he's kind of mentally... Um, you know Jack up into the point where he where he's focused on the door itself, not the couple inside and that's where the shift happens and suddenly now he's Tyler at the door talking to no one which you know leads of course Marla to asking that question and so um, it, but it's just so subtle and that's what's so fascinating about looking at this, especially when we're kind of exploring it a minute at a time is like really studying like just those little tiny cinematic tools, I mean there's plenty of character elements and stuff but even just the way that he chooses to shoot that where those characters in the background are out of focus I think also lends to that whole uh split personality element.
0: Yeah and this this moment with with Tyler Durden and the like the yellow rubber glove that that was something that apparently in the commentary they said that that was brad pitt's idea and they weren't sure about it they thought that that might be just a little too weird but then whenever they showed it in test screenings it got a big laugh and so they kept it in
2: oh yeah
1: no you can't lose the glove <laughs> that's just who knows why they're using the glove it's just funny it adds to just the weirdness of everything going on the fact that that's on his hand and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then you tie that, like you connect that to all of the sounds that have been going on over the last I don't know, minute or so. And it, it, mm-hmm. you know, you end up in this situation where you've got this, this, uh, naked man standing in the doorway with just one rubber glove on. It's just like, okay, mm-hmm. that, I guess that probably tracks. <laughs> and I think it's like the framing is, think,
0: you know, they, they show just enough. So they're not really showing any nudity, but that's, mm-hmm. I mean, brad pitt's workout routine for this movie you know he looks pretty nice and, and i also think it's funny that he's just kind of standing there playing with his belly button with the the gloved hand
2: i know <laughs> i know what a great great uh choice on his part i wonder how much of a choice it was or if that's just what brad pitt does when he's hanging out <laughs> naked with his rubber gloves it, it almost again it,
0: it feels like almost um immature that the, just another mm-hmm. just subtle level of showing the immaturity of Tyler Durden as a character
1: yeah and, and the complete right like that uh, and, ahead, and yeah. the complete lack of uh, restraint or concern about anyone else you know mm-hmm.
2: yeah I mean that's it's just all id right I mean this this movie is so much of an exploration of like id ego and superego and like Tyler Durden is just it's all id and all um, primal. And, um, and, and that's what we get. Like he's taking care. This is our protagonist taking care of his needs Mm. all the time first. And, uh, I, what a great little package. Yeah. And then uh, I shouldn't have said package (laughs) referring to Brad Pitt naked. I know that now,
1: but it's a little package. Actually, is what you said.
0: (laughs) And then uh, we, uh, this is Jack putting Brad Pitt in his place. (laughs)
2: i can see you looking at it it's okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: and then we end this minute with this this uh, work haiku this worker bees can leave even drones can fly away the queen is their slave and this this feels like tyler durden mentality this this feels like a commentary on the the work structure that's uh that the blue collar workers are the ones with the power and they can choose to leave and disrupt the, the workforce. And the, the queen is like the CEO and like, if, if all the workers mm-hmm. left, then the CEO wouldn't have any power. And so like the, the head of the company is really dependent on the workers and they're the ones with the power. And that, that's kind of how I read this haiku. What, what about you guys?
2: Well, I, I think for it, so much of this movie is about the insidious creep of rebellion and discontent in in the identity of of our narrator and Tyler Durden and and just when those identities meet between the two of them um, you know that's when we have this big explosion and and in this part of the movie we have the these haikus that that are reflecting that sense of rebellion, that sense of like everything I exist to do here in this space is, mundane and horrible corporate life and uh this is me exerting my power not just in what i think and what i'm willing to type but specifically what i'm willing to send to everybody right (laughs) like that's that is the that's the nature of this little rebellion of of you know unsatisfying job let alone the fact that he's doing it while wearing a, a shirt with his own blood on it and the the sort of arrogance that's starting to creep into to his relationship with, you know, manager, middle management.
1: And just I mean, and I I love I mean I I completely agree with you, Baba wheat you know, that there's definitely that sense with that haiku. Also, though, I think what's so interesting, and you never really get a sense of like how big this company is that he's working in, but you look at that address list and there's 2,395 names in the <laughs> list. And I was just like if he's yeah. actually sending this to everybody, that's a lot of people getting crazy emails from Jack. You know, like that's a really uh, insightful bit, and and the fact that really his his boss is reacting. Uh, we're not seeing that yet, but is is reacting in I could, I suppose you could say in a relatively um, uh, mild way uh, with some of the things going on. It's uh, it's interesting because it, it certainly seems like. I don't know. It's one of those things that seems like a sign that you know it, you'd be sending this person to HR a lot sooner.
0: Mm-hmm. And also the just the, the window, the the uh, the GUI, it you know gives me nostalgia feelings that I like, got oh, yeah. pretty. Mm-hmm. I you know I was initially thinking that this is like trying to figure out if this was like Windows ninety five or ninety eight, but then
2: looking at it a bit closer, I think it's actually Apple.
1: Yeah, it says Apple. Mail. Yeah, it's definitely a
2: Mac. It's like System Seven. And I yeah. did,
1: I I did look up the
0: the names that we see uh, because we do have this list of names, and I, I only found about half of them, but I, I did. They are basically like uh, crew, uh, mostly like Julie Anderson is the production supervisor, Andrea Carter is the clearance coordinator, uh, Rob Ernest, the production coordinator, uh, Seth Reed assistant art director. Uh, one other one that I didn't find at first, but, uh, Stephanie Wagner, uh, she is someone that works in graphics. She's not in the credits of fight club, but I did find her name where she's Stephanie Wagner Thornhill and her name is right below Patrick Thornhill, who is a production assistant. So maybe at the time she was <laughs> dating Patrick Thornhill. That's uh, so maybe there's some yeah. of these are significant others, uh, Like I couldn't find Susan Bastian anywhere, Mitch Gerstberg, or Sharon Rubenstein, Uh, especially with that, like that unusual spelling of Sharon with the the R Y N. Like literally nothing popped up whenever I did a Google search for that name. So I don't know if that's just uh, a if they mixed in some fake names or if they're just people that don't have an online presence.
1: It's so interesting though, and you know having worked in production uh, in my past it's it's always fun to see the names that the production department or production design department ends up throwing into things Um, and in this particular case obviously there's um, they're working with some uh, people to kind of design like or to kind of put these graphics together and everything but S- they they are so often just grabbing names of crew, names of friends, names of uh, you know people that they've heard of and stuff, and and so that <laughs> glorious benefits. Yeah, exactly, because, right. People who threw money, in right. Time. And so yeah. it's it's always fun to kind of go down these rabbit rabbit holes of like random names that otherwise don't seem to be tied to particular characters in the film. Like where did they end up grabbing those from? So um, yeah, it's fun to yeah. kind of look at this list and see all of that.
0: Yeah, they, another one that i couldn't find anything out just because it's too common is, is david wood
1: yeah right right oh yeah because
0: he's he's someone right. that's not in he's not anywhere in the credits and just doing a search for him just finds too many options
2: yeah they're all tyler durden's anyway
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just
2: another tyler durden
0: uh, and then that's that's the end of this minute and that's the end of my notes do either of you have anything else for this minute
1: No, it's just—I mean—it's a great minute. You know, we're kind of about—you know—around that mid midpoint in the film when um, things are going to start shifting more with the relationship here and and what uh, what is going on with the characters in their world. And it's just—I—I—I don't know. It's just when you look at this film, having seen it before, and you know exactly like how it's all playing out. It's you're starting to get all these different clues, like you know, we're just talking about with. Um, Marla asking the question, "Who are you talking to?" Things like that. It's it's always so fun to see those little nuggets throughout as you revisit the film and you're catching all of that and trying to piece it together. Like is ooh, which head is he in at this point in time? Very fun, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just such a tight, tightly woven
2: movie, right? And and there are, there are things. I it's been a long time since I've revisited the book, but there are certain things I I feel like are um, like the uncertainty between tyler and narrator is one thing but i if i remember at one point in the book there's a there's a real uncertainty between narrator thinking that Tyler and Marla are the same person I don't know but wait have you do you have you read the book recently or are you just looking at this yeah
0: i i have bought the book and I keep telling myself okay I'm gonna okay. <laughs> i'm gonna take the time to read it and I haven't yet because I'm a horrible <laughs> procrastinator well, it, it, it does
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, this is the movie, but it is interesting that that is one of the things in the adaptation that they that they really streamlined that the identity uncertainty is going to be between Tyler and narrator and in the book there is it's like a trio of uncertainty. nobody knows who each other is because that's the the nature of the storm of identity chaos in in his head and um and and i I think that's really interesting and when you look at it from that point of view when uh, narrator thinks if 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 in this particular minute, if there is any uncertainty as to whether narrator thinks that Marla and Tyler are the same person, what are they doing in that room with the rubber <laughs> glove i I think that's interesting
0: yeah that's that that's a theory that i am you know I actually don't think that I had heard or I had forgotten about until just a a few weeks ago whenever a guest brought it up, and uh, we yeah. did talk a bit about it last week but. Yeah, it's something that I I am trying to, to put together. But yeah, the, especially this whole section does feel weird if you think that all three of the characters are the same. If there's only one person in this entire house,
2: right? Right. It really is. And I think to the credit of the adaptation, like they simplified a lot by not leaning into the some of the confusion that is intentionally introduced in the book. But um, this, uh, and I think to the movie's credit, like I, it just. It becomes, I think, too naughty to to dissect. I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily a fair interpretation to introduce on top of the movie as it exists because it's not. I, I don't see it. I, it, it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't see them taking that. But, but I do think it's interesting that that's something that they chose to excise from from the book. That's it. That's as, that's as far as I want to go. It, it
1: definitely feels excised, and, and you know, it, we'll probably talk about that in a couple minutes. Uh, I think we will. But like when they're talking about how it's interesting that they're never in the same room together. Like that whole thing, like as soon as Tyler walks out, then Marlowe walks in and it's, you know, that whole thing of setting that up, it definitely feels excised and not just something that you could read it that way. I mean, I suppose you still could, but it just seems like you're really stretching it to get there now.
2: And, and in the book, you're really literally reading it that way because it's written that way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the interesting moments that in that was like, uh, I think, last week um well last week and two weeks ago whenever tyler goes to visit marla that that entire scene whenever he uh, whenever marla uh, takes all the xanax tyler does not say a single word
1: yeah right like she's the one shouting at the cops down the hallway and everything and yeah interesting
0: (laughs) and that was something that i never thought of (laughs) and And even like looking at it at that minute, that was the guest that, that brought that fact up, and I thought that was interesting.
2: That's a really good point. Maybe it's not as excised as I'm, as I'm indicating. <laughs> Maybe it's there, and I just have missed it.
0: Uh, but I think that wraps up today's minutes. Thank you both so much for joining me today and this entire week. And for those who, might not, who are listening to this and might not have heard your other shows, why don't you go ahead and take a minute to let them know where else you guys can be found online?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, we, uh, we had our own uh, movie by minute podcast, Marvel Movie Minute, where we looked, uh, went through uh, phase one of uh, the Marvel franchise, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, it may continue at some point. At this point, <laughs> we're enjoying our long hiatus <laughs> and uh, taking a reprieve because we sure pounded through those last couple movies back to back, and we're a little wiped out by the end of it. Uh, But you can find all those episodes at marvelmovieminute.com or just look at Marvel Movie Minute on any of your podcatchers. And uh, Pete? Well, the current stuff that we're actively still
2: working on and have been since 2011 is The Next Reel and The Next Reel family of film podcasts um, where Andy and I uh, together uh, go through movies as part of series. And uh, this entire year we are taking on series of award winners through the decades. Uh, So as we record this, we're about to embark on something new. Andy, what's the new Yeah, We just finished the
1: 1952 Academy Awards nominees for uh, Best Black and White Cinematography, uh, which had great things like Strangers on a Train and Death of a Salesman. And now we're jumping into the BAFTAs. We're going to be looking at the 1960, gosh, what is it? 64? 566 awards for um, I think they just call it best dramatic uh, no best film from any source is how they describe Mm. it as in it doesn't have to be just from the UK it could be from anywhere and so um, that's going to be Beckett and the pumpkin eater and the train John Frankenheimer's the train so should be a lot of fun conversations in that one you can find all of those movies anywhere you get your podcasts, but just visit
2: com and you'll see what we're up to.
0: And as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find this show at com and also anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We should be available. And we are also doing a contest right now. We're still uh, doing that, so looking for more podcast reviews, uh, preferably Apple Podcasts, but if the uh, the podcatcher that you listen to allows written reviews, we will accept that just as well. And if you would like to take a screenshot and send it to Fight Club Minute at gmail.com, if we hit 25 reviews across Apple Podcasts as well as entries, we will give out a copy of the graphic novel Fight Club 2. And uh, so help us help increase our presence, uh, our searchability, our, uh, help us go up on the charts so that more people can listen to us and also get a chance to read the comic book sequel to this movie. And uh, uh, until next time, this, this is Fight Club Minute, and this podcast is ending one minute at a time. Uh, uh, don't finish off? Oh, oh. Hey, Nick. Hey, Bubba Weed. Hey, did you know this, the song Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel, he, he was actually talking about his penis? What? The whole time? Yeah, it's, you know, he was talking about having sex. And and did you know that uh, the song Blinding Lights by The Weeknd was actually about driving under the influence?
2: Under the influence? I figured driving because of the lights, but under the influence as well?
0: And did you know that Weapon of Choice was actually about
2: Dune? No, no. Now I know you're lying could be. And uh,
0: at Lyrical Innuendo, we actually discuss these songs and more and decide if they are really about sex, drugs, or if they're just rock and roll. And you can find the newest episodes on Spotify and everything else at rabbitholepodcasts.com.